You're listening to Halford and Bruff. The Canucks have a lot of points, just like empty calories. Yes. There's a lot of great numbers, but like, what's the substance there? Well, they're not out of it. There's enough time to turn this around, and, and the bar that they have to leap over is not that high. It's just that I don't think we saw signs of life at any point on this road trip. Are you ready to laugh? Quiet, you awful man. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live. From the Sportsnet 650 Studios, also known as the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes of Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Uh, A-Dog, how are you? I'm well, how are you? And Laddie, how are you? Hello, hello. That was a very sultry good morning, Jason. Try that again. <laughs> good morning. That's there was a little bit, of a little bit of a pause before. It was nice. It's like like he, you're wondering, is he going to say good morning? It's true. It's like you smoked a pack of cigarettes last night. It's good. <laughs> there it is. Speaking of health, Halford and Bruff in the morning, coming to you live from the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, tell the fine folks about Kintec. Oh, Kintec footwear and orthotics, how we love you. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Uh, big show ahead, Halbro Experience, coming to you live. I'm, I'm going to be distracted all morning because Canada is currently playing Japan. In what I like to call the fourth World Cup group match, but it's an international friendly against Japan. Except it doesn't count for anything. And it's not a good start for Canada. They are and down Davies one and uh, Eustachio are not playing, right? That, so, that is correct. So they're two best players, would you say? That is also correct. Yeah, so um, don't you, worry too much about it, buddy. Eustachio picked up. It's, it's, it's just soccer. <laughs> Calm down, Greg. It's soccer. Uh, Eustachio <laughs> picked up your favorite terminology, soccer terminology. He picked up a knock. In training, his last training with FC Porto. So when after he picked and up the knock, Portuguese knocks are the worst. They're they're really hard. Is know. that like an injury? You mean like, yeah, okay, but not a serious enough injury to be rise to the rank of injured. Just a bit of a knock. Just a bit of a knock. Yeah, Look at you. Like when you just run into a door or something, but you're still you okay s- to go to work. You sound like not a ra- that, that happened to me this morning. <laughs> you they sound they like would a say Nigel. if this wasn't uh, uh, just a friendly, it was a it was a real fixture. Yes, that's <laughs> another word. He'd oh. be he'd be playing. I love all this terminology. Uh, you know what? We're not going to run through all of the football jargon at the I beginning think you of the should, show. Though. I no, think you should. You know what? <laughs> I've been told there's better ways to do radio, and that's by moving along with the course of action for the day. I'm going to start using terminology, uh, soccer terminology, but like hockey stuff. So it's like, I cannot believe the Canucks. It was such a big fixture, mm-hmm. and they came up, came out so flat. You should start referring to all of them as matches instead of games exclusively. Just call it a match. I just want to hear Shorty say, Besser picked up a bit of a knock, but he's back on the ice. Yeah, the defense is at sixes and sevens right now. Wow. That's another good one, too. Okay, uh, what's happening on the show today? Focus, focus. 6.30, Ben Nicholson-Smith. Uh, MLB Blue Jays reporter for Sportsnet is going to join us in the wake of the Teoscar Hernandez trade to Seattle. Uh, Laddie, how are you feeling the day after? Have you allowed it to sunk in? He was a fan favorite, and he was an emotional leader for the club. Is it? Is it hurt you? Uh, I don't know if hurt is the right word. Are you sad? <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I'm still digesting this deal, and I don't think you can fully digest it until all of the moves this offseason are made because there's – a huge gap in the outfield now that the Jays need to cover. That's true. And they need to trade a catcher. So we'll talk to Ben Nicholson-Smith about that at 6.30. 7 o'clock, David Osted, former Whitecaps keeper. Uh, we will talk to him 
his hit is going to coincide with around the same time that the Canada-Japan match is over. So we'll get instant analysis and reaction from that. We'll also look ahead to this World Cup for Canada. You mentioned that Alfonso Davies is not playing today for Canada as they hold him out for precautionary reasons. David, of course, was there with the Whitecaps when Alfonso made his professional debut, when he became the sort of Alfonso Davies that we know now, the start of it. So we'll ask him about his earliest memories of Canada's best player, and then we'll get his picks and predictions for the World Cup as well. 7.30, Frank Saravalli, daily face-off. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to American Thanksgiving on the NHL calendar. That's a pretty important date, right? A lot of people kind of pencil it as one of those first check-in dates. Frank's already started to put together some of those trade pieces that you like to see. You know what question I want to ask, Frank, is are there any other teams like the Canucks out there that are desperate to make a trade? Mm -hmm. Because according to what we're hearing from guys like Sat, the Canucks are really working hard to make a trade, but... It's just so hard to make a trade right now. You need a partner that's as almost that's almost as desperate as you are. It takes to two make to tango. Yeah. So we'll, so we'll maybe go through some potential teams that the Canucks could call up, and they'd be willing to talk shop with them. Uh, Seven thirty. That's Frank Saravalli. Oh, Canada has found the back of the net against Japan. We are now draw even one one. What an exciting first twenty minutes. That's really well done. Okay. Do you know, who, do you know who scored? I believe it's Stephen Vittoria. It looks like he was on the end of a cross. Perhaps I, I'm. I, I'm trying not to watch my phone exclusively while being. That's okay though. On the air. Yeah. But I feel like we should get excited about this. Uh, it is indeed Stephen Vittoria on a corner. Set pieces for Canada, Jason. They're going to be important this World Cup. Yes. Are you watching my phone from now, across the way? Now, set pieces are corner kicks or free kicks? That's correct. Yes. No, I knew that, but I'm just trying to explain it to the listeners who might be kind of just catching on right now. Uh, 8 o'clock, Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks, is going to join us. We yes. Have, we have tickets to give away as well. We absolutely do have tickets to give away. Batch is going to be on the call tomorrow night for the Canucks and Kings from Rogers Arena. We're giving away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Kings from Rogers Arena. It's going to go to the best of what we learned of the day. Uh, you can start submitting now if you so choose. Dunbar Lumber Text Line 650-650. It is the Smalt Alternative. I'm going to be at the game as Joe Fan. Oh, you're going on Friday. And maybe even in the upper deck. Wow. I know. Look at you go. What's the... I'm going to wear like a blue collar. <laughs> You'll literally be blue collar. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's this how it works, right? Yeah. Hello, um, fellow blue collar fans. A, like a big, big like jug of coffee. <laughs> Could I interest you fellows in a glass of lager? Boy, these spoiled millionaires sure aren't doing very well, are they? You should wear a hard hat just for. <laughs> Why are you wearing a hard hat? Yeah, sir? these tickets were one hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> the boys at the construction site. We just came in with our hard hats and hammers. Okay, uh, focus. Who here. wants a beer? <laughs> Focus, 8 o'clock, Brendan Batchelor, 7.30, Frank Saravalli, 7 o'clock, David Osted, 6.30, Ben Nicholson-Smith. I mentioned that Canada and Japan are underway in their both. That's the final uh, World Cup friendly for both. Uh, Thursday night football tonight, uh, Packers and Titans. Kind of an interesting game, to be honest, given the trajectories of both teams. It's a huge night in the NHL. I can't believe I'm saying this, but on a 13-game night, I think the New Jersey Devils are involved in the game of the night. Because the Devils are in Tirana to take on the Leafs. And the Devils have won 10 straight. And there's a bunch of World Cup friendlies today as well, including this Canada-Japan match. It's a big, big, exciting, robust sports day. We were looking forward to these in anticipation of a Winter World Cup, and we're getting there. But uh, we need to go back and tell you everything that happened yesterday. So without further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. 
Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? I tried to come up with the best way to word this, is that what happened yesterday is what didn't happen. Bruce Boudreaux didn't get fired. Bruce Boudreaux is still gainfully employed by the Vancouver Canucks. He remains the head coach. And I only mention it in this fashion because there are growing reports about the heat or availability regarding the Vancouver Canucks head coaching gig. So where do we begin here? I guess we begin first that uh, there was a report that on Monday, Francesco Aquilini, who was in Toronto for the Hockey Hall of Fame ceremonies, uh, held held a meeting with Jim Rutherford. And according to uh, insiders, the message from ownership to management about the state of this team is, hey, you, fix it. Do you think Jim Rutherford was like, why didn't I think of that? Fix it. Oh, fix it. Oh, okay. Writes I've it been down tr- on a pad of paper. I've Thanks. been trying to wreck it. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, it is a directive. I'll say. I think the response would be like, "Yes, thank you. I am trying to fix it." But garbage well, I, in garbage can. I, Got I, it. I, I guess. Out. I guess the uh, the message actually, if we're not being sarcastic here, is that there was no uh, directive to tear it down. Correct. Right? It's yeah. like fix it and fix it now, which is why you hear Sat saying the Canucks are trying really, really hard to make a trade. Right. So throughout the last week on our very own Canucks Central program here on Sportsnet 650, Satyar Shah, a handsome Canucks insider. That should be his title. That little Chiron they have on the screen. Yeah, handsome. Handsome Canucks insider. Yeah. Satyar Shah. And here's Dan Riccio. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, focus, focus. So Sat was reporting it out throughout the week that the Canucks' preference over dismissing Boudreaux, which they have not done to date, was to make a trade and that they were pushing rather hard to try and get that done. I suppose, Jason, the hurdles are, as you outlined in the intro part of this segment, you need to find a trade partner. You need to make sure that whoever you're trading with is either not cognizant of how desperate you are or is equally desperate. So you're not trying to get fleeced in a deal. And finally, it all needs to make sense with the money. As I rub my fingers mm-hmm. and thumb together, I'm making the sign with the money. So who does make the most sense as a trade piece? Everyone's talking, obviously, about Bo Horvat, who's the pending UFA. Uh, I know Besser has been taking uh, some heat for his slow start. But Connor Garland, to me, has always made the most sense. He's still pretty young. I think he's 26, and his contract isn't terrible. Um, oh, and he's not, you know, the captain mm. who has 14 goals in 17 games and a player the Canucks might want to keep. Um, here's the thing, though. I'm sure they did explore Garland's market in the offseason, but unfortunately for the Canucks, the value of wingers absolutely plummeted with the flat cap because they're generally the least important players and they're the easiest to get. You know, mm-hmm. you, you focus on centers, and defensemen, goalies are all kind of like another different market, but um, of the three skaters, you got your demon, your centers, and your wingers, and the wingers, unfortunately, for the Canucks, because they have a lot of them, they have too many of them, lost a lot of their value. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still going to be tough to trade a guy like Garland without taking some money back. Cap Friendly tweeted out the other day that 19 teams – are using LTIR. He's that many. 19. So it's mm. over 
half the league is using LTIR, right. which is another way of saying half the league is basically like they don't have any they don't have any cap space. And there are a bunch of teams that are like really close to LTI. Mm-hmm. There are not many teams out there that are like we're open for business because we got a lot of cap space, right? There just there just aren't because the cap hasn't grown. Uh, it's also kind of the worst time for the Canucks to be pushing for a trade because everyone knows their situation, yeah. and that's why one of the questions or the big question maybe that I've got for Frank Saravalli is, is there anyone as desperate as the Canucks to make a trade? And I was thinking about this last night, and it's like, well, Calgary and Minnesota – uh, they're kind of off to shaky starts. The Blues were too, but they look to have turned it around. They beat they beat Colorado recently, or was that Blues last are on, night? Blues are on a four game yeah, winning no, streak. Blues are on a four eight, game winning lost streak. Lost eight in a row, one four in a row. You know they got their moms on the on their current road trip, and you can't disappoint the moms. You also can't trade someone. When the moms like, are mom, I got traded. Yeah. Like you, you got to wait on that. Uh, you, you know the one that I was thinking of, of that might be the most obvious is Pittsburgh. Yeah, and uh, I know Kasperi Kapanen has been on the outs there. I think he's been a healthy scratch a couple of times. Uh, he would add speed, and you could do. I think Kapanen's got so Garland's got three years left after this current year, and I think Kapanen's got one year left after this one at a slightly lower cap hit. They've got very similar contractual status. So you, status you, prob- I. you could probably figure out something there. It might be just that type of deal, right? Where it's not like, whoa, what a what an earth shattering move that was, but it would be kind of a Jim Rutherford special in that you trade uh you trade kind of two players that play the same position, but you're just hoping to shake up the room. I keep going back to all the things that Jim Rutherford has been saying in public and and while I think some of it is um obviously directed to the coaching staff. I think some of it's directed to the players. Like he's he can't Definitely. shake it up, right? Like he can't he can't rattle their cages with a with a with a trade because it's so hard to make a trade. Um, that and and let let's face it, the Canucks are, have a lot of players on contracts that people don't want. You know the trades that they have made um, are you know the Ethan Bear trade was not trading anyone out of there, mm-hmm. right? And Jason Dickinson was traded for Riley Stillman, but that was, I mean, I don't know if that's going to shake up the room. Yeah, I that sort of thing. I like, yeah, I get. So what you're I saying. think with his commentary, when he's being very blunt and talking about how the the team isn't playing without any without any structure, they're like, he's just trying to rattle their cages. He's trying to do something, anything. Yep. To get this team to wake up and play smarter hockey. Unsigned text just came in, so it must be from Gary. Uh, good point, and I've heard this from a couple different uh, outlets now. The Evander Kane situation in Edmonton opened up that money, and he likely doesn't come back into the playoffs, if ever, with the tendon injury. And a little dire outlook there at the end. But, yeah, there's another team as well, right? They lost 2-1 to Los Angeles last night. And the two big talking points there, and we can get to it later with the Edler knee I don't know, want to call it a knee on knee, but some people really did not like that hit, uh, the Edler hit on McDavid. But the other talking point was they only managed to muster one goal of offense, and it was if McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't loading it up and racking up the points, who's the next level of scoring? And really, for a large part, that was well, Evander Kane and Nugent Hopkins can pick up the slack, but with Kane out and Yamamoto's out as well, maybe Edmonton becomes a potential trade partner as well. But what we're trying to highlight here in talking about all these individual situations is that collectively big picture 
it's going to be tough. It's really going to be difficult to make a move because of all the different circumstances that we've laid out. And, you know, the, and the funny thing is you're talking about, like, purely hypothetical Garland for Kapanen trade, yeah. right? That is the 2022 version of Carl Haglin for Tanner Pearson. That's all that it is. It's just mm-hmm. you updated it six years later or whatever it was because it's not necessarily getting better. It's not necessarily uh, moving money in a substantial way. It's basically money in, money out, but it just changes the dynamic. And if you know anything about Rutherford, especially from his time in Pittsburgh, it's a move that he likes to make to shake up the room. Trading Tanner Pearson, again, or sorry, Connor Garland, purely hypothetical, would be a pretty significant deal. He's a, he's been, a, I mean, he hasn't been here for a long time, but he's been, he, he's, he's a embiggened member of the room. He's there. He's a bonafide player. Yeah. You know, he's been around the guys for a while. And at that point, you're also throwing darts at the dartboard. I think he's pub- pretty tight with JT Miller. Too. He is. Yeah, yeah. They're very tight. So it's one of those things where it's like, you're just kind of throwing a Hail Mary or a dart at the dartboard and hoping that something hits. Yeah. Because your preference is to do that before you have to go. And maybe inevitability, fire Bruce Boudreau. So the Canucks have a very difficult stretch coming up right now. And frankly, the way they played at times on the five-game road trip, even though they did get a couple of wins over two struggling teams, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, If they play the way they did at times on that road trip, they're going to get straight up embarrassed. Yeah. (laughs) At least once over these next four games. They got the LA Kings coming to town on Friday, and that's probably the easiest one. Monday, Vegas. Wednesday, in Colorado. Saturday, in Vegas. So that is a really tough stretch coming up. And I think it's important to note that U.S. Thanksgiving is on the horizon as well. It's a week from now, actually. Week a week today. from a week from today, the Dallas Cowboys w- will be in action, and people will be, will be going through the list of teams that are currently in a playoff position because, for whatever reason, I think people just started to look at that date and go, "Wow, it seems like if you're in the playoffs by U.S. Thanksgiving, you've cut a real good shot of making those playoffs." And I think the stat is something like eighty percent of the teams that are in a playoff position by U.S. Thanksgiving. It's like, it's like an imperfect formula, but it's yeah, like yeah, it, it doesn't have to be argued and go like, "But what about this team?" Right? Like, it's just for the most part, if you're in a playoff position by U.S. Thanksgiving, there's a fairly good chance that you're going to stay in that playoff position. Now, are there going to be teams that drop out and teams that make runs? Yeah, of course there are. That's mm-hmm. you know, that's why they play the games. But generally, it's considered a. A rule of thumb for general managers that, hey, if if your team is really out of it by U.S. Thanksgiving, you might actually have to start thinking about the following season. You may actually have to start saying to yourself, okay, let's be realistic about this team. Yeah. What's it going to take to make the playoffs? What is the prudent course of action here? Should we start focusing a little bit more on next season? or maybe a lot more yeah. on next season and start uh you know acting accordingly and Jim Rutherford in an interview on this very station was asked that question is there at some point in the season when you have to start acting like that and he said yeah of course there is i'm glad you brought this up because and we've talked about this in the past when comparing this season to last season and the quite frankly horrific starts that both teams had had 
if you'll remember, and it's eerily similar in terms of scheduling, the Canucks went out on a mini three-game road trip right around the same time in November last year. And they went down, they got absolutely annihilated by the Avalanche in Colorado, 7-1. Then they came back two nights later and lost 7-4 in Vegas. So at that point, they had been outscored 14-5. to That's for you math people out there. Then they finished up the trip in Anaheim. And they lost 5-1, and that was when Travis Green uttered the infamous, it didn't feel like a 5-1 game. I don't know if you remember that one, but they came back, and they had been outscored, I think it was 19-6, to and it just looked like they were done. And I remember at that time thinking, Green's not going to survive. And you talk about the times when you need to evaluate your team and figure where your trajectory is going to be. That was right before American Thanksgiving. The team looked like it was in a tailspin, but they didn't make the move. And then what happened is they continued their losing ways eventually till it got to December and they lost to Pittsburgh and the jerseys came on the ice and they fired Travis Green. We got a few texts into the Dunbar Lumber text line and a few along th- these lines. Um, okay, what's with the Garland hate? Kapanen is a massive step back from Garland. Besser has literally been the worst player in the league this year by expected goals. Now tell me how you trade the worst player in the league. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the Dude, point of what we're on, doing. Man. Like like you can't you can't just be like, "Oh, we're going to trade Besser." Like what <laughs> team out there is like, "So you're telling me he's got a really high cap hit and he's had some injury issues and his injury issues are are showing up in his game." Give me Ron Hextall on line 1. Like yeah. who's going to accept that? Like that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to find uh, a guy that could be traded. And here's the thing about getting Connor Garland. Okay. Yeah, Kapanen might not be as good a player as Connor Garland, but you're taking away the future obligations, right? Kapanen would only have one year after this year. Garland has three more years after this one. Yeah. Now, if you think that Garland is a player worth keeping around, for his contract, then by all means, don't make that trade. But if you want to create cap flexibility, it's hard. And yeah. sometimes you, ha- in order to trade, in order to create this cap flexibility, you you have to trade away pretty good players, right? It's it, it's difficult, and it and it doesn't happen overnight. And sometimes you have to do it in steps. Now, Connor Garland, the market for Connor Garland, might rebound in a year or two when the cap starts going up. Yep. So that might be something that the Canucks do have to consider. But when you're looking at this roster, unfortunately, like this is just the unfortunate reality of the Canucks right now. If you're looking at this roster, there are not many players that teams are going to be jumping at to add to their roster. And it's just yeah. it's just unfortunately they've made some bad decisions. Yes, and I do want to reiterate just for the purposes of anyone that might be tuning in for the first time or not familiar, um, we the, the the goal of this I- I entire thing, you know, trying to break down the roster and figure it out is that you have no emotional attachment to anybody. You try and look at it as objectively as possible and try and figure out, based on the information available, facts only, uh, what might happen. So you look at things like past behavior. You look at things like current economic climate. And then you look at likelihood. And that's all that we did with Garland. There's no love or hate for Connor Garland. At this point, he is just an entity that could be moved for another entity that costs X amount of dollars. That's it. That's fair to say, right? I mean, I, if they want to keep Connor Garland around, great. He's got nine points in 16 games. He works hard. I like when he does little spins in the corner. Okay, great. <laughs> keep him, right? 
if you got to move them and there's only a handful of actual movable, tangible assets right now, one, he's one of them. Two, another team might be interested. Don't come back at us with like Brock Besser trade potential. I, he's probably at his lowest right now. And I mean that like in a day to day, he just came off like a game where he played 13 minutes and looked wildly ineffective doing it. And you showed me his heat map. I still don't understand what it means, but it, it didn't look good. It looked like a crime scene, yeah, as far as I can tell. Yeah. It was, that's bad. Crime scenes are bad. Besser did make a nice pass to Horvat on Horvat's goal, but yeah, going to need some goals out of him, and, he, and we're going to need his defensive numbers to be a lot better than they are because right now the underlying numbers are really messy mm-hmm. for Brock Besser. Uh, coming up on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650, this is going to be a very diverse and well-rounded sports show. We're going to do baseball next, off-season baseball. Notable trade for the Jays yesterday as Teoscar Hernandez is on his way to Seattle. Uh, and then at 7 o'clock, or sorry, we're going to talk to Ben Nicholson-Smith about that at 6.30. Then at 7 o'clock, we are going into, I just have to say, I've been glancing over at the Canada-Japan match, that World Cup friendly going in. Glancing over? You've been glommed onto it. There's two ways to put it. One is a casual glance. The other one is I've only been focused on that. He's looked at Jason all of two times. Yeah, for like, a second. yeah, yeah, yeah. Garland. Yeah, good player. <laughs> Definitely keep him. Lock him up. Extend him. If I had to look between Stephen Vittoria's face and Jason's face, I'll do respect to Jason's face. I get that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I've got a picture of him on my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> they're in the 41st minute. You know, I was going to say something. It was a little weird, but I decided not to. Yeah, we're in the 41st minute. Uh, there's been a t- fairly significant amount of chances both ways. It's very open. Canada is actually seemingly unfazed by a terrible start to the match. Drew even won one, and they have created quite a few chances, and they're just being dominant on set pieces. You got now. this all from just a glance or two, eh? Well, just a glance <laughs> or two. You know, it's amazing what you can pick up when you watch a soccer game for minutes at a time while your friend is talking here about trading uh yeah. I don't know. what were you talking about I think he was nathan to, rourke yeah i think he was trying to trade Pedersen or something anyway uh we got a lot more to get into on the show it's a big show we are giving away canucks tickets if you want to get a, a pair of tickets to see the canucks and kings tomorrow night from rogers arena what we learns dunbar lumber text line 650 650 get them in we will do the draw at around 8 30 this morning big show ahead don't go anywhere halford bruff sportsnet 650 time now for sportsnet 650 traffic from the city news 1130 air patrol just getting started at the major league level as Teoscar lifts a fly ball to right center field. This one's got some carry to it, and it's going to go. Opposite field home run, Teoscar Hernandez. It's a little bit sad. Uh, I'm not going to be part of, of, of them anymore, but uh, for me, it, it feels like it's a new chapter on myself. And, uh, I think I'm going to enjoy the best that I can, and I'm going to give everything that I got to the Seattle Mariners and, uh, and the fans. 6.33 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, we did mention we're going to dive into the world of Major League Baseball, specifically the offseason. Big deal yesterday for the Toronto Blue Jays shipping out Teoscar Hernandez. You just heard his voice there coming back from break. For more on the deal and what the Jays are going to do now as they get further and further into the offseason, Ben Nicholson-Smith from Sportsnet here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Ben. How are you? 
I'm doing well. It's good to be talking some uh, some baseball with you guys. Yeah, it was actually during our show yesterday when we got news of the Teoscar Hernandez trade. So I know that a few people had pointed to this as being a potential move for the Jays, just given the financial landscape, Teoscar's uh, contractual status and everything. So I guess the question isn't whether it was a shock or not. It's just how big a departure is this going to be for the Jays? Uh, you know, he's an all-star in 2021, two-time silver slugger. 32 dingers last year, 25 this year. How big a departure, how big a gap is this going to leave in the Jays' lineup and in the outfield? Yeah, it's a big one. I mean, he's a really good hitter. We've seen that each of the last three seasons. He's been a well above average major league hitter. So to replace that is never easy. The Jays do have some decent outfield depth right now, but really they're going to have to go outside. They're going to have to add to their existing group and probably look to add a left-handed hitter or a switch hitter to balance things out a little bit. So that being said, look, it's great to have left-handed hitters, but you don't easily replace someone like Teoscar Hernandez, who's basically been 20 to 30% better than league average on a consistent basis for a period of years now. So it's a big gap. Uh, The Jays seemingly have some plans in place for how to fill it, and I'm very curious to see what those plans look like and how they unfold. Uh, What are the Jays getting in Eric Swanson and Adam Mako from the Mariners? Well, Mako to start, I mean, he's a prospect uh, who's, who's never pitched above a ball. So the Jays love his stuff. We'll see. I mean, he's, he's young. We'll, we'll see where that one leads. Um, And and then Swanson really is the centerpiece of course of the deal. He's someone who immediately joins the likes of Jordan Romano and Jimmy Garcia at the back of the Blue Jays bullpen last year for the Mariners. He struck out 35% of hitters that he faced at a time that league average is 22%. So he is getting a ton of swing and miss. He's got great pitches, slider, splitter, fastball. He is someone who has really good stuff. He got really good results last year. And that's a huge addition for the Blue Jays. I mean, they, you know, there's a big loss here in Teoscar. There's also a pretty significant addition in the sense that adding a top of, of the line reliever really was toward the top of their off-season shopping list, and now at least that has been accomplished. Okay, so the outfield as it is currently constructed, um, Teoscar's gone, Aramal Tapia was designated for assignment. What does that leave the outfield looking like, and what will it end up looking like by the time the season starts back up? Yeah, that's two outfielders in the span of 24 hours, and, and tossing Bradley Zimmer, I mean, he was going to be cut regardless, but really, they've they've uh, changed the whole configuration of their outfield in the last week. And what it looks like now is you have George Springer who can play either right or center. Sounds like the Jays would prefer to have someone um, new come in so that they can at least spell Springer on a regular basis from center field. So Springer in center slash right, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is your left fielder. And then you have Whit Merrifield and Kevin Biggio, uh, as as kind of depth there. But they really do need to find someone who can play center field because even in your best-case scenario, you're looking at, let's say, 100 games from Springer. That might be like the ideal outcome for him in center field, but that still leaves 62. And you're not using Lourdes there. You're not using Whit Merrifield or Calvin Biggio there if you can help it. So they, they really do need to go out and, and add, whether that's through trade or free agency, and based on what GM Roth Atkins said, they're considering both avenues at this point. Are there any names that are either out there via free agency or trade that make sense right now? 
Yeah, I mean, there are a bunch of them. The Jays, I mean, probably need to start at the top. Brandon Nimmo is the best free agent out there. He's someone who had a great year with the Mets. There are some questions about his durability. Uh, He's only played 100 games two times in his career, and he's likely to command a really big contract. I mean, it wouldn't be a surprise to me if that number is well over $100 million. So I don't necessarily see the Jays going there, but they have to at least express interest and check in, which they've, which they've certainly done. So beyond that, you've got the trade market. And, and the Jays, of course, have those three catchers who have a lot of trade value in Kirk, Jansen, and Moreno. So that could open up pathways for, instance, uh, Brian Reynolds of the Pirates or right. Lars Newbar of the Cardinals. I mean, these are the kinds of players that could conceivably be available in trade, and then that would give the Blue Jays that other outfielder uh, left-handed hitter or switch hitter who can also play center field. So, you know, the, the trade possibility uh, is, is really an interesting one on that front. Um, but, of course, there are some lower-tier names that they could fall back on if needed. We're speaking of Ben Nicholson-Smith, Blue Jays and MLB reporter for Sportsnet here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, you mentioned the catching position, Ben. I think it's fair to say that the Blue Jays have one of, if not the best, uh, catching trios in Major League Baseball, I, I, I'd venture to say they do have the best trio in Kirk, Jansen, and Moreno. If they're going to move one to bring an asset in, which one do you think will get moved? Well, you know, at this point, I will say this. So they're listening on all three. Okay. It's hard to really, it's hard to really, um, you know, set those odds right now. But I, I do think that having traded Tay Oscar, it makes it a little harder to trade any other hitter off your roster. And Jansen and Kirk were both really important players for this team. Jansen hitting 15 home runs, Kirk being an all-star, um, largely because of his bat. So if you're going to trade one of those guys, you know, you'd really better be sure that you can find other ways to augment your offense. And so with that in mind, I do wonder if, you know, if the Jays had to make a trade today, which they don't, it could happen in a month when they've signed another outfielder, or it doesn't have to happen at all. But if they had to make a trade today, I would tend to think that Moreno would be the easiest one of the three to part with, just given that he's least certain as far as what you're getting offensively. And so that allows you to preserve the offense that you do have and keep that status as a dangerous offensive team. Uh, so we're looking at an offseason where the Jays won 92 games and the 91 the year prior. Uh, they returned to the playoffs. Obviously, the playoffs were a disappointment, but there's a sense from uh, we're listening to the manager, to the general manager, that this is the first step in what's going to be uh, a series of steps forward, eventually hopefully culminating with a World Series. In light of that mentality and mindset and approach, how do you see this offseason playing out for the Jays? What's the number one thing right now that's on the shopping list? Or what's the biggest prize that they could add to this team to not necessarily put them over the top, but make sure that they're moving forward towards that ultimate goal of winning a World Series? Yeah, at this point, it's got to be outfielder or starting pitching. I mean, those clearly are the needs uh, that exist with Ross Stripling having departed and obviously with the Teoscar trade. So those need to be the priorities and I expect will be the priorities for the front office as they look to help the major league team. The bullpen is actually in a pretty good spot right now. So that can go a little bit more to the back burner. But uh, you know, you need to look at the best options for, for outfield um, and, and, of course, for starting pitching. So I think that means a conversation has to happen with Justin Verlander. Um, you certainly need to talk to the representatives for the likes of 
everyone from Carlos Rodon to Chris Bassett um, to Ross Stripling himself. So that's a, a big need for the Jays. And then offensively, you know, maybe there's a, a slight, slight chance that you could do something with a Correa or a Bogarts, but really outfield is the place that it makes sense to look right now. So again, Nimmo, uh, looking at all those trade options and trying to find ways to make up for some of that offense that they are missing out on now that they've traded Tay Oscar. Uh, it's already been a pretty eventful offseason. It promises to be busy as well. Ben, with that, we'll let you go. Thanks a lot for doing this today. We appreciate it. Uh, enjoy everything that happens this offseason. It should be exciting. It should be exciting. I think there's a lot more coming, so uh, hopefully we'll we'll get the chance to chat again, but thanks for having me on today. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. That's Ben Nicholson-Smith, Blue Jays MLB reporter from Sportsnet here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, we got some time here before we turn it over to the 7 o'clock hour. Reminder, we got a bunch of guests today. Uh, 7 o'clock, David Osted, former Whitecaps keeper, is going to join us to talk Canada-Japan, which is at the half, 1-1 at the half between Canada and Japan. 7.30, Frank Saravalli, 8 o'clock, Brennan Batchelor. We got some time now. Let's fire through some of these stories and scores from last night in the NHL. Uh, so very quickly on the first two games, because I want to talk about the Kings-Oilers game and the Edler on McDavid uh, play sure. that Oilers fans are very upset about. The Buffalo Sabres have now lost seven in a row. They lost to the Ottawa Senators last night 4-1. to one. So the Sabres team, and this has happened to Buffalo a few times before, hasn't it? They've started yes. off okay, and then they've not just kind of kind of petered out. They've completely fallen apart mm-hmm. with like a massive losing streak. So it's got to be struggling, or it's got to be uh, struggling. It's got to be uh, frustrating for people in, in Buffalo, even though I do think they do, they, they have a bright future. Like at some point, they got to pull it together, and now Eric Comrie might be hurting goal for them. So it gets tougher for Buffalo, uh, the Ottawa Senators, which uh, with a much-needed win for themselves. Uh, the St. Louis Blues beat the Chicago Blackhawks 5-2 to two last night. The Blues are up to 7-8-0, and it looks like they are turning things around after a terrible start for the St. Louis Blues. And you give a team like the Blues the benefit of the doubt yes. that they can turn it around because – They've done it before, and they're consistently in the playoffs. They won the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago. Yeah, uh, it, it was just more how dire it was. Because yeah, it looked it, terrible. It looked it, awful. Well, and Doug Armstrong yeah. went down and met. I mean, it's not very often that the GM meets with the players and tells them to you know snap out of it and get in. But I mean, it happens in Vancouver. But yeah, on a weekly basis. But uh, <laughs> you know, other places it's not as it doesn't happen with such great frequency. So the last game of the night was a 3-1 victory for the LA Kings over the Edmonton Oilers. So the Edmonton Oilers are now 9-8-0, which isn't all that great for a team that made it to the Final Four last year um, and beat the LA Kings, actually, along the way in their first-round series. Then they beat the Calgary Flames, took care of the Calgary Flames, and then lost when we were quite overmatched uh, to the Colorado Avalanche. You went on to win the Stanley Cup. But the play that everyone's talking about last night involved a former Canuck, Alex Edler, uh, who collided with Connor McDavid, and it was a collision with Alex Edler's knee. Now, while you were talking to Ben Nicholson-Smith, yep. I was watching this play over and over again, and I was comparing it to a one, to one uh, previously that got Alex Edler suspended. And I think there is a significant difference in the two. Yep. Um, was it a couple of years ago that Edler was suspended for a hit on Zach Hyman? 
two years ago in the bubble, Hyman was out for two months with a knee injury and Edler was suspended two or three games. I can't remember what, but yes, you're correct. It was in the bubble. How was it in the bubble? No, sorry, it wasn't in the bubble. bubble. It it was in um, the pandemic season when there was no fans. There was no fans. They kept playing the highlight last night. There was no fans, but it wasn't in the bubble. Right. Uh, Now, the difference that I saw was that on the Hyman hit where Edler got suspended, he actually moved his right leg out. And that's how he needs Zach Hyman. Okay. On the McDavid hit, he's got his legs uh, in a wide stance. He doesn't move his right leg. It's not like he kicks it out or even really like, quote, unquote, drags it. He just has a very wide stance at the blue line. McDavid tries to go around him, and then Edler's leg is there. Mm-hmm. And there's a collision. So, I, l- listen, I'm not trying to be a homer here. Like, well, I mean, Edler doesn't even play for the Canucks anymore, but he's he was a, I, I liked him when he was a Canuck here. But I'm watching these plays, and, and, and Zach Hyman has some audio where he's saying, like, this is the exact same hit. I'm like, it's not. Like, yeah. Edler – Edler had Edler had established his position on the ice. Did he have a wide stance with his leg out? Yeah. Like, what do you expect him to go to go into like a, you know, like a, I don't know, stand up straight with his legs together? Like, it's not very good defensive play, right? It's so, uh, but Zach Hyman is is pretty upset, and I, and I am curious to see if the NHL uh, agrees with. My analysis or my take on it, or if they uh, give Alex Edler a hearing. But here's Zach Hyman on Alex Edler's hit on Connor McDavid. So I don't want to ask you about the hit, but I do want to ask you about your captain. When you see anything happen to him, it seems like everybody's on board to, not that he needs it, but they're there for him. No, I mean, it's just, you know, he he did that hit to me a couple years ago. Uh, Exact same play. I was out for two months and, uh, you know, he just did it to, to Connor, same thing. It's just an extremely dangerous play. Um, so, you know, I'm glad Connor's okay. Nice little back and forth there between, the. I believe that was Gene Principe, who said, I don't want to ask you about the hit. And then Hyman's like, let me answer by talking specifically about the hit and the history of said hit. There was a reason that they asked Zach Hyman about this, right? I mean, there's, and I think it was one of those things, this is why we distrust the media folks, where the, the reporter was well within his rights to have Zach Hyman be the interviewee and also ask him a question about a same the same player Edler doing the same kind of hit yeah right but as you pointed out it's a little bit of apples and oranges because they're not the same hit you mm-hmm. can't say that they are other so, than same place on the ice same sort of situation sure. but you 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 have to look at the you, you do have to look at the details of the hit. You're like, that looks similar. Yeah, <laughs> right? circumstances, situation, context, all these things matter. So in the aftermath, Edler was given a two-minute kneeing minor. It was offset by the fact that Darnell Nurse jumped Edler almost immediately and then was given two roughing minors. So from all that, and this is what a lot of the Oilers fans were upset about, was that Edler going knee-on-knee with McDavid resulted in a Kings power play. And I know that that's not as cut and dry as it was, but it's one of those situations where I was a bit surprised. I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, but I'm a bit surprised that the linesman didn't hold back and just let Nurse tune up Edler because that kind of felt where it was going. Now, Edler did receive a a two-minute minor for me. Yeah, I said that. Yeah, but so I I wonder – I do wonder how the NHL is going to look at this, though. I'm going to be fascinated to see it because I felt like they got it right on the ice. 
McDavid came back to the game. So they played. got it right on the ice. So you, you, do, you do think it was kneeing? I think it was kneeing. I, I think, if anything, it could be called a trip. Well, sure, tripping, kneeing, but I think... Well, that, there's a pretty significant difference. There right? is, but a minor penalty, I think, yeah. was more than sufficient justice for this. I don't think right. it rises to the level of you need to have a hearing or anything like that. Yeah. I, don't get me wrong. There might be a different rule book for McDavid, and I'm sorry to everyone that is aghast at hearing that, but it's the reality, is there are certain rules for certain superstars, and certain hits get taken in a different lens. Then there's the Edler part of this. I don't think it was accidental that Edmonton put Hyman forward, not even just during the intermission, but after the game, he was right at the podium saying the exact same thing. So are we going to get into repeat offender status? And I know it doesn't work cut and dry where it's like, you've done this once, you're going to, you know, we're going to call you to the carpet again. But they made a point of saying, look, it's not just that he hit McDavid. It's the same guy doing the same thing. And I think that's going to be the really interesting thing to play out. And they didn't get their pound of flesh last night, the Oilers. They mm -hmm. lost 3-1. Trevor Moore had a hat trick for the Kings. It almost felt like everyone... From the Edmonton side of things, from like you know the the beat writers all the way to the players, felt like they got they kind of got screwed. To be honest, hasn't been a great start for the Oilers, has it? No, you talk not. about they're they're a middling team with a 500 record. Yeah, they've lost Evander Kane for a while. Yeah, their new goalie Jack Campbell doesn't look very good. It was actually Stuart Skinner in net for them last night, and he's been okay. Um, he just got outplayed last night. Cal Peterson was really good for the Kings. But Edmonton and Calgary are the two wildcard teams right now. Um, but they must be thinking like, whoa, like Minnesota, Nashville, and here comes St. Louis. Like th those teams could easily catch them. They just – Calgary doesn't look right right now. No. I don't know. Um, Laddie, we'll bring you into the conversation now for a little goalie talk. Who do you think should be more concerned about their goaltending right now, the Oilers with Jack Campbell or the Flames with Jacob Markstrom? Because – I think I know what you're going to answer on this one, but um, Jacob Markstrom really hasn't looked the same since that Oilers series. Yeah, I think Markstrom will eventually be fine. I, I still think this is just a, a bump in the road for him. I'm way more concerned about the Jack Campbell situation in Edmonton because he hasn't done it there yet. Hmm. He hasn't had success with that group. I didn't think he would going into it just based off purely his style and how aggressive he is. With a run-and-gun style team, I didn't think it was going to mesh. It hasn't so far. Maybe he can tweak some stuff to eventually play better in that system. But I was going into the year hoping that Stuart Skinner was still going to get starts despite that Jack Campbell contract. And I'm happy to see that he is because he's yeah. playing quite well. But, yeah, I, I, if I'm the Oilers, I'm a little more concerned than I am with the Flames and Markstrom. By the way, since we're on the subject of what's going on in and around the NHL and we were talking earlier about a potential trade partner for the Vancouver Canucks, one team I want everyone to keep an eye on right now are the Columbus Blue Jackets. I don't know if anyone's been paying attention to this because it's the Columbus Blue Jackets. They're but, a disaster right Well, now. no, they yeah, are. They injured, have crazy injuries. So consider this. They just put Patrick Laine, who's what, their second best forward? It, maybe first, depending on how you think of Johnny Gaudreau. He's going to be out about a month with an, an ankle injury. Also, last game, Elvis Merzlikens was hobbled. They had uh, both guys on each arm carrying him off the ice with an undisclosed injury. It looks as of the lower body variety. So now you've lost your starting goalie and Patrick Laine. Uh, some depth guys like Jake Bean and Emil Bemstrom got hurt in that same game. We didn't even talk about this the other day. Zach Wierenski's gone for the year. Their number one defenseman, he suffered a torn labrum and a shoulder injury, so he's done for the year. 
keep track of all these. Well, uh, remember, that, that, remember the player that uh, Drance loved, Blankenberg? Yeah. He's, he's got a fractured ankle. Yeah, he's out six to eight weeks. And then, while all these injuries were happening, Brad Larson, the head coach, was asked about Jakub Voracek, who I totally forgot about. He was injured earlier this month. And Larson's like, ah, he's not even in the discussion right now. Like, he's not close. So, to recap, they are missing Voracek, Wierenski, Blankenberg, mm-hmm. Bean, Bemstrom, Merzlikens, <laughs> Line A. They just need NHL they just players. Need bodies. You, I, I honestly, you could might be able to call them up. <laughs> we have bodies. Yeah, we got a lot of them. We got NHL guys on NHL contracts. You might need one of them. So there's a team to keep an eye on as we move forward. Because remember, there were expectations for Columbus going into the season. Johnny Gaudreau but brought there surely a lot aren't, of them. There surely aren't any more, right? Like no. they, they can't be sitting there going like, we can still do it. No, but they're I, in. They're in a tougher conference too. Yeah, I think there's two things here with that. The one is you don't just want to throw a bunch of young players no, true. in the mix and yeah. maybe ruin their confidence because I know Ken Johnson is some Hey, other listen, guys. if you're trying to unload a player like Tanner Pearson, Columbus would be a good call. Connor Garland, right? I mean, I don't know. But but, but more, like, I, I think the Canucks should still hold out for some sort of return on, some sort of return on Connor Garland. A guy like Tanner Pearson, maybe not as much. But yeah. if you're trying to clear cap space, that might be a good team so to that's do. That's what it. I'm talking about. If you've yeah. got a general manager and president of hockey ops that have said repeatedly how tough it is to move cap space, you might just have to settle. You might just be like, hey, you know what? This is a deal about moving money out and not bringing money back. Just something to keep in mind as we move forward. Speaking of moving forward on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, some footy talk for you guys. Smile, everyone. Canada. Japan. I actually haven't turned the second half on yet, so don't spoil it for me. I don't know what's happened. Canada and Japan were 1-1 at the half. Canada, after conceding in the ninth minute, looked really good. Really good. Their attack was very impressive. They've got Tejan Buchanan. They've got Jonathan David, Kyle Laren, Junior Hoylet. They look very dangerous in attack. Steven Vittoria, the center back from Portugal, scored to even it up. So it's 1-1 with a, a Japanese squad that is a good, robust Perennial World Cup contender. This is a big test for Canada. And right now, despite the early conceded goal, they look good. We'll keep tabs on it. We'll talk to David Osted coming up on the other side. He, of course, former Whitecaps goalie, is going to be giving us some soccer insights uh, leading into this World Cup. That's coming up next. And a reminder, before we go to break, we're going to be giving away a pair of Canucks tickets tomorrow night. Canucks Kings from Rogers Arena. 650-650 is the text line, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Send in on what we learn. Don't forget to put a ticket emoji on that what we learned, and you'll be entered into the grand prize draw. There's a lot more to get to. Don't go anywhere. Halford, Bruff, Sportsnet, 650. I'm going to be at the game as Joe Fan. Oh, you're going on Friday. And maybe even in the upper deck. Wow. I know. Look at you go. I'm going to wear like a blue collar. (laughs) (laughs) Just had kind of a long day at the mechanic store. 